Patchwork Heart Ministry presents A Mother's Love, the personal testimony of Colleen Christ. Colleen has been married to her husband Dan for 27 years. She is a homeschooling mom to eight beautiful children and led a prayer ministry and two tent revivals for her former parish in Bedford, Virginia. She currently serves as a council member for the National Service Committee for the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, as well as a Teens Encounter Christ leader. She is a dynamic retreat and conference speaker and speaks on the topics of healing after abortion, the Father's love and mercy, the power of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and spiritual motherhood. She is currently authoring a book detailing her personal encounters with Christ and his mother. Now, here is Colleen's conversational testimony, A Mother's Love, with Louise Deal. Colleen, I'm so excited that we could get together today, and uh, I'm really, really um, looking forward to hearing about your story and about your relationship over your life um, with the Blessed Virgin Mary. I've always had a special devotion to Mary myself, and so I just love talking about her and hearing about her, so I can't wait to hear what she's done in your life. Thank you, Louise. I feel really blessed to be here and honored to be able to talk about the Blessed Mother, who quite honestly was not a big part of my life for a long time. Um, She wasn't someone that I ever felt very close to or had a devotion to, like I did with Jesus. Um, When I was growing up, I felt very close to the Lord. Um, I could talk to Him like a person and just entrust everything to him, pray to him. I felt his presence very near to me. And so for a long time, I didn't really understand the role of the Blessed Mother or why I would need her in my life. Um, So it wasn't until a rather dramatic experience in 2015 um, that she kind of met me where I was at and showed me how much she loves all of us, all of her children. Um, So in 2015, um, a group of us had been planning a pilgrimage to the Power and Purpose Conference at Franciscan University in Steubenville. Um, I was leading a prayer ministry at the time, and the year before, nine of us went to the conference. And we were so profoundly affected by our experience there. Each one of us individually experienced uh, deep healing. Um, Just lives were changed. And we came back, and we just couldn't stop talking about it to everyone who would listen in our church, family, neighborhood. um, You just couldn't shut us up. So... (laughs) We kind of had this idea that we were going to, next year, take a bus to the conference, and we're going to bring as many people as we could so that they could experience it, too. So my friend Marjean and I had been working on it for the whole year leading up to uh, the conference. Um, And a couple of months before the conference, I found out that I was pregnant. So um, I was... shocked (laughs) put it that way Um, and I was a little afraid to tell my husband 
because um, at that time we were going through a very difficult time financially. Mm. Uh, we were self-employed and the business was struggling. There was lack of work. Mm. Um, so we were struggling to pay our bills. We were struggling in our marriage relationship. Um, he was having some difficulty personally with depression, um, which he has talked about publicly. So that's not private information, but I was afraid to tell him about the baby because mm -hmm. I thought maybe this would be a little too much for him to handle right now. So I'll tell him when the time is right. So, um, I kept encouraging him to join us on the bus. I thought, you know, if he came with us, maybe this could help him too, going away for the weekend to this conference. But he really wasn't interested. He, he just kept turning me down. No, I, I don't feel up to that. So I respected that and left it alone. I think it was about the day before the conference, he changed his mind. And he said, you know, I think I'll go. And I was like, oh. Praise God, right? Um, so the night before the conference, I started having a little bit of bleeding. And I thought, oh, okay, uh, maybe this is just an abnormality of some kind. Uh, maybe this will just go away. Um, not going to worry about it. I just prayed about it. And I said, Lord, you know what I'm facing tomorrow. I have 63 people. We had 63 people sign up for this conference that we've been planning all year. And the bus was meeting us at 7 a.m. in the parking lot. And I was expected to be there to help lead this pilgrimage. And I couldn't let all these people down. So I said, Lord, I need you to take care of this for me. I woke up the next morning and I felt fine. I felt good. I had energy. I had strength. I was ready to go. All of the pilgrims were excited. We had our picture taken in front of the bus, you know. We were all so <laughs> pumped for this conference. And the, the bus trip up was so much fun, you know. We prayed, we talked, we laughed. We just had a wonderful, wonderful time. And we ended up forming this connection with the bus driver, JB. <laughs> he just loved us, you know. He thought that the whole thing was so fascinating and great, and we were able to even kind of witness to him about the power of the conference. And when we finally got there, he was like, you know, I think I want to go. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, so we, you know, we unloaded our stuff, and we started in, and the first night, um, it was Father Michael Gately who was speaking. Oh, yeah. I'd never heard him speak before, and it was wonderful. But the theme of the conference was, was full of grace, full of life. It was about the Blessed Mother. It was her being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And um, they brought in the pilgrim statue of Our Lady of Fatima. So they had her set up in a room in the back, and uh, there was a man who was always with her. He was kind of like her guardian, right? Um, and everybody at the conference wanted to visit the statue, right? So, I mean, it's really special. The statue has traveled all around the world, and there's a lot of miracles and things associated with it. So typically there were long, long lines to visit the pilgrim statue. So I never really got a chance to go in there and just spend time or, or say a prayer. Um, Friday night was great. Saturday morning was great. I was able to attend all of the talks. I felt strong. Things were going well. 
sometime around Saturday afternoon, I started feeling a little bit of pain again. Um, and um, it was interesting because my husband and I, like we were kind of, he was in the men's house and I was in the woman's house, so we, de- we never really merged. But there was a point during the afternoon where we kind of merged at the same time, and there's a statue of St. John Paul II on campus, and below the statue is a, a little uh, saying, a quote, and, and the, the big line, the first line of the quote says, do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. And I read that, and it really touched me, because I knew what was going on inside me, but I still hadn't shared it with my husband. And St. John Paul II has always been special to us. We went to see him in Baltimore years and years ago. And it was such a blessing to be present at St. John Paul II's Mass and to receive his blessing. So we feel like he's near and dear to our hearts. Mm -hmm. And um, we took that photo. I said another prayer. We both went on our way. I still didn't have the courage to tell Dan what was going on. Um, I went back to the room to rest. And then as I was, I, I got up, something made me get up and I said, you know, I think I'm going to go to the chapel and pray because I need help right now. I need intercession. So as I was walking across campus from the dorm that I used to stay in when I was a freshman at Franciscan, I had this flashback. I had this, this, overwhelming memory just wash over me and I was like oh my gosh I remember crossing this campus at 17 years old and I remember what was going on inside me at that time and how I was feeling and I just suddenly got flooded with memories it just kind of stopped me in my tracks and I remembered when I was 17 Um, I had also found out I was pregnant. I had, I graduated, right, from high school. Um, I was dating someone at the time, and I found out I was pregnant. Well, my dad is the deacon of the church. My mother was a prayer ministry leader. My mother was also head of birthright, We attended the March for Life for years and years. So I knew that life mattered and I knew what it meant, you know. But I also had just gotten accepted at Franciscan. Mom and I had gone out and bought all of the things for the dorm. We were excited. I had met my roommate on the phone. We talked on the phone. Her name is Gretchen. And we hit it off, and I was just so looking forward to this new adventure in my life, right? But I'm pregnant. I talked to the father of the baby, and um, he wanted nothing to do with the baby. So um, I was in a crisis. I was terrified. I had no idea what I should do. So I talked to my best friend, and um, I said, you know... I really don't know what to do. I think I know what the right thing is to do, but I'm not sure. And she said, you know, Colleen, 
It's really not a big deal to have an abortion. I've had one. It's not a big deal. You just kind of go in, and then you come out, and you're not pregnant anymore. And then you don't have to stress over this anymore. And you can mm-hmm. live your life and have your dreams, and you're not going to let that baby stop you from that. Mm-hmm. At that time, for whatever reason, that made sense to me. Sure. Let's do it. So mom and dad, they went away on vacation. And this was about a week before I was supposed to leave for Franciscan. I went in. I had the abortion. I had a lot of second thoughts before I went in. I will tell you that when I was sitting in the waiting room. Mm -hmm. I look back on that now, and I think if someone had been there and talked to me, I would have changed my mind. So many people say that. Yes. It's the truth. Yes. Someone needs to be there for those girls. Mm-hmm. But I, I knew I, as soon as it was over that I had just done the worst thing I could ever do. Biggest mistake of my life. Um, I did not tell my parents at all. I didn't tell anyone. As a matter of fact, the only one who knew was my, my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I went off to college. Now, interestingly, as mom was driving me to Ohio from New Jersey, she said, is something wrong? I think somehow, you know, a mother's heart always knows. Mm -hmm. And, um, I said, no, just scared, just nervous, you know. So um, I got set up in the dorm, and, and, and I tried my best to act like everything was normal. But I could not seem to not cry. I cried myself to sleep every night. And my sweet roommate, <laughs> she kept asking me, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, I just, I just couldn't tell her. I just started drinking to try to numb the pain. Um, I couldn't seem to get up and even go to my classes. Mm. I just felt so distraught. Mm. What kind of mother kills her own child? What kind of person am I, you know? I finally just couldn't take it anymore. Uh, I was taking pills and drinking constantly, and I just wanted to die. Mm -hmm. So I talked to my roommate finally, and I told her what I had done. And she was so kind. Mm -hmm. She surprised me. Um, She and her family did work with Operation Rescue at the time. So they were very intensely pro-life. And I think that that was part of my fear was that she would look at me as an evil person, you know? Mm. And um, she didn't. She looked at me with love and with mercy. And she said, you know, I know a priest friend who I think can help you. He's a Franciscan, lives on campus, good friend of ours, and I really think he can help you. So 
interestingly enough, this priest's name is Father Dan, just like my husband. <laughs> oh, wow. And Father Dan was wonderful. Another person who showed me mercy and love. And he uh, just, you know, there was no judgment there. It was just pure love. And uh, he just spent time with me. He took the time to sit down and listen to me and my story and to pray with me for however long it took and then finally, at the end of our sessions together, he said, you know, I want you to do something. He said, I want you to envision the Blessed Mother. And I want you to imagine that you are taking your baby and handing your baby over to her. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, did you have a name for your baby? And I said, you know, it's so interesting really because um i kind of somehow thought it was a girl Mm. and so in my mind i wanted to name her jessica so i i said yeah her name is jessica and he said okay can you see yourself handing jessica over to the blessed mother i said yeah i can and i really could i could see her and it was so comforting to do that. I can't describe how that felt to me. To know that the mother of God, the queen of heaven, had my baby in her hands and she was going to look after her until I got there. So, um, all of those memories, that's what came flooding back in that moment as I was feeling the pain of this potential loss of another baby. So I left and I went straight to uh, the Porciuncula, a little chapel on campus that's mm-hmm. modeled after uh, the chapel St. Francis of Assisi built. I just love that little chapel. They have the Blessed Sacrament in there, and it's just very small, but very peaceful. And I just poured my heart out to the Lord and said, God, I have no idea what you're doing or why this is happening or what your plan is, but... <laughs> I trust you, and I know you're going to get me through this, so I just need your help. That night, things were just fine again. I felt good. Um, The next morning, it was Sunday morning. It was our last day of the conference, and I woke up, and I had a lot of pain. I tried to take a shower, and, you know, we were taking showers in the dorm room showers, so there's women everywhere, you know, and just people talking and wanting to talk to me, and and I just couldn't focus. And on top of that, um, we had brought the largest group from a single church to the conference that year, and it was the 40th anniversary of the conferences. Mm-hmm. So we were asked to do a video interview. And I was supposed to meet the videographer and the interviewer in the parking lot with the group. And they were going to interview me and my friend Marjean. I said, Lord, I'm going to need supernatural strength to get through this. I want to do this. 
I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for these pilgrims. I'm doing this for the glory of God, and I just need your help to get through this. So I went over, I sat down, I did the interview. I somehow answered all the questions. I don't remember anything I said. I've never actually seen that video. <laughs> I don't know how it turned out. But we got it done. We got the big picture taken. And then we walked to the field house for the final talks and the mass. And it was on my way to the field house that I felt more, more pain coming on. And I just knew then that the baby was not going to make it. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have a plan, but I knew that the Lord was going to take care of it somehow. So as soon as we got in the field house and our group got situated in the chairs and Dan was sitting beside me, I just said, honey, I have to go to the bathroom. And I got up and left. Still hadn't told him. But when I left, there was the pilgrim statue of Our Lady of Fatima all by herself. There were no lines. And I went, that's where I'm going. <laughs> I'm going right there. I went in, I knelt down, and I just said, Blessed Mother, you know, I never really understood your purpose before. And I know I've never had a devotion to you like other people do, but I really need a mother right now. So would you be a mother to me and help me through this situation? Help me to be able to talk to my husband and tell him what's going on. Help us to be able to deal with whatever follows after this. <laughs> Please help us. And as soon as I finished that prayer, I kid you not, the door opened and it was my husband. He walked in and knelt down right beside me. So we just kind of sat there and quietly prayed. And when we got up, I said, now, honey, I've got to tell you something. Now, he told me later, he thought I was going to tell him that I wanted to leave him because of everything that had happened. I said, no, 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 I, I'm pregnant and I'm losing the baby right now. And, um. We walked outside of the field house and just stood out there for a moment. And he was trying to process what I just said. And he said, okay, what do you want me to do? What do we need to do? And I said, you know, honestly, I really would like Dave and Mary Nelson to come out and pray with me right now. now Dave and Mary are actually family members, extended family members. Their daughter, Monica, is married to my brother, Joe. But Dave and Mary are prayer warriors that have been at every conference. They mm. sit and pray with people for hours. Mm. That's their whole ministry. Mm. And they're such powerful prayer warriors. And um, I've always just loved them because of their, their spirit is sincere it is peaceful, it's joyful, and Mary reminds me of my mother. So <laughs> my mom had passed away. She was in heaven, so 
Mary was the closest thing that I could have to a mother and she's who I wanted in that moment. So Dan's like, okay. And he thought about it. He said, you know, there's like a thousand people in there. How am I ever going to find Dave and Mary Nelson in that crowd? He's like, but I'll do it. And he left. And it wasn't a couple minutes. He came right back out again with Dave and Mary. I thought, okay, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for arranging that. They came out. She knew right away. She just looked, and I just fell into her arms, and I sobbed, and she sobbed, and we just held each other, and they started praying over me. And I instantly just fell back. I I was slain in the spirit. I fell back, rested peacefully on the sidewalk, and I felt so much love in that moment. I wasn't afraid at all. I wasn't feeling any pain. I just felt love. And I kept thinking, wow, God, you really love me. You do. I never got it. You really love me. I understood then that even though I had received forgiveness through confession all those years ago when I was a 17-year-old girl, I hadn't forgiven myself. So I've carried this pain for 30 years because I couldn't forgive myself. You know, and shame has a grip, like a death grip on you. It holds you in bondage. It's the enemy's, one of his best tools is to keep you in that place of shame, to make you believe that you cannot be forgiven, Mm -hmm. that you are so bad that God could never love you, Mm -hmm. that you might as well just give up. But that's not the truth. And God the Father showed me the truth in that moment. He said, no, you are worthy. I love you, and I'm going to take care of you. After that, I got up and I sat down with Dave and Mary, and they just, in a very practical way, said, okay, Colleen, we need to kind of figure out how to proceed from here. What do you want to do? What are you comfortable with? And I think it was Dave said, well, first of all, we should contact your doctor. And I said, oh. I said, well, Dave, that's easy. My doctor came with me on the pilgrimage. <laughs> he said, what? I said, she's, she's part of our prayer ministry. <laughs> she's right inside. He said, well, well, we'll go get her. So Dan got up and went in and got my doctor. Her name's Patty. Patty came out and... um Patty is like a sister to me and another person who just loved me in that moment. And she kind of ran through, okay, these are the options. You can, we can take you to the emergency room, but you'll have to sit there and you have to wait it out. Um, Dave and Mary said, well, you could come back to our house if you want to. Well, that's an option. And then Patty's like, or you could just stay here and wait it out. And I said, you know, Honestly, I want to stay. I said, no, it sounds crazy, but we've started this journey together, and I want to see it through, and I feel like I'm in the best place possible. I'm on this campus with nuns and priests right inside that door. This is a holy place. This is where I want to be. 
They said, okay, we'll take care of it. So Dave got up and went inside, came back out a few minutes later, and he said, it's all taken care of. We got, we got a place set up for you. So they helped me walk in, and Dave had found some of the students that worked there for the conferences, got these big guys to carry in a leather couch from the speaker uh, place, whatever that's called. They brought the leather couch in and set it up in the back of the conference center so that I could stretch out and be comfortable and still be present. And I didn't miss the one thing that I want, I couldn't wait for from the conference the year before. The best part was when you turn and you pray over the people around you. And I was like, that was like the highlight for me. That was the whole thing I was looking forward to, and I didn't miss it. I got in just in time. They were singing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And I was able to extend my hand, and I was right behind our pilgrimage group, and I was able to pray over everybody, and it was so beautiful. And I just kept praising God. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Look what you're doing. You have taken care of everything. At some point, this priest came over to me, and he just kind of looked at me, and he said, Sister, what's wrong? And I said, Father, um, I'm losing my baby. I'm in the process of a miscarriage, and I'm losing the baby. And he said, I'm going to pray with you right now, Sister. So he laid his hands on and, and just prayed for me, And I felt that peace and that love again. I said, thank you, Father. And off he went. Never got his name. And then at a certain point, Dan said, you know, um, I'm going to have to go to the drugstore and get you, you know, because at that point I was was bleeding rather heavily and um, I needed some help. And so he said, "Uh, I'm going to have to leave and go to the drugstore, but I don't want to leave you alone. And I said, well, you know, don't worry about it. God's gotten us this far, and he's taking care of every detail, so I just feel like everything's going to be okay. Just go. It's going to be okay. Dan hadn't hardly walked out the side doors of the field house before my dear friend, Sister Carrie Ann, who's one of the Franciscan TOR sisters, comes in the side door with two other sisters and came straight over to me. I was like, Sister Carrie... She said, Colleen, I heard what was going on. We want to be here for you. So these beautiful sisters just surrounded me and started praying over me. And at that moment, I delivered the baby. And so when they finished praying, I said, Sister Carrie, I just delivered the baby. She said, oh, okay, don't worry. We're going to take care of it. I said, okay. Well, how are we going to get out of here? And she said, don't worry, we're going to take care of it. So I had Sister Carrie, I had Sister Magdala, and I had Sister Rita with me. And they helped me up, and I had, you know, blood all over my... But, and I knew that we had to get to the restroom, but... The conference had just gone into the intermission time, so everyone was out in the hall, and the bathrooms were crowded, and I saw that sea of people, and I said, oh, Lord, how are we going to do this? And Sister Carrie said, don't worry, Colleen, I know another place. She and the other sisters got me through that crowd. Now, here's the funny thing. 
Sister Rita, before she became a nun, used to be a female football player. (laughs) Of all the people the Lord could have assigned to me at that moment, she was perfect. She just went through that sea of people like a linebacker. She was like, get out of the way, get out of the way. And nobody stood in the way. And we just plowed through the sea of people. (laughs) And Sister Carrie brought me to this bathroom downstairs below the conference center that I didn't know existed and we had the whole place to ourselves I was able to go into the stall and and get cleaned up and um my my doctor Patty was with me um Patty followed us down there so I had my doctor right there on the floor beside me in the stall and sister Carrie just outside the stall and sister Rita I said you know Dan was Dan was still gone Dan was still gone for all this because he had the foresight to think, you know, I better, I better get her a change of clothes too. So he had to track down our bus driver because we'd already loaded our luggage on the bus. We were going to be heading home that day. The bus driver was off campus. He had to call him on the, get his number, first of all, call him on the phone, get him to drive back. Then Dan had to unload all the suitcases, go through them till he found mine, and find me a pair of pants to wear. God bless him. That man worked so hard. But in the meantime, I had nothing to wear. So Sister Rita, she says, Colleen, if you're okay with it, I got a pair of running shorts on under this habit, and I'll give them to you. ever wondered what nuns wear under the habit now I know she just she just did it it was so sacrificial but it got me through God provided again so we're sitting in the stall right and um I I had the remains of of my baby in my hand and I thought I just kind of I I was I was a little uh, in awe and dumbfounded, I suppose is the word. I didn't know what to do at that point. I said, you know, I have, I have my child in my hand, this precious soul, and I don't know what to do. And um, Sister Carrie said, Colleen, you know, oh gosh, there was so much that happened in that moment. She said, Colleen, have you named the baby? And I said, Sister Carrie, you know, it's funny. I was thinking that it might be a girl, but in this moment, it's not. And for some reason, the name James is what came out of my mouth. I said, the baby's name is James. She said, okay. She said, you know, we're going to take James up to the mother house. We're going to bury him at the mother house. I went, wow. God, look at what you're doing. Of all the things that could have happened, of all the ways this could have gone, if I'd gone to the hospital, that never would have happened. And I could hear the mass being said right above. It was coming through the vent just over the toilet. And they were saying the words of the mass, and I suddenly just felt so sorrowful that all of these people that were with me in this bathroom, Sister Rita and Sister Carrie and Patty, that, that I had ruined 
this conference for them, that I had taken all of their time and attention away, and I felt so bad about that, and I said, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, I, and Sister Carrie said, Colleen, she said, do you know what today is? And I said, no. She said, today is the feast of Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Jesus. And she said, I got to witness the sacrifice of a lamb. I said, you know, Sister Carrie, this is not how I imagine this weekend going, but I honestly can't think of anything more sacred right now. And she said, you know, um, let's go out and let's just, we'll just sit outside for a little. Let's take a break. So, so we went out and I still had my baby in, in my hand. Um, we went out and we sat in a circle just outside the, the restroom and just kind of contemplated what all had just taken place. And then I said, uh, you know, it would be really nice if we could receive communion. And Sister Carrie said, you know what, we, we can. And Sister Rita said, I'm on it. She got up and went upstairs. She came back down the elevator with the priest who had prayed over me while I was on the couch. Just even that was extraordinary. There, are, there had to be at least 20 priests up there. She could have picked anyone. And she found the one who knew the situation and came to me like a father. And he looked at me when he came down. And typically when someone, when, when the priest hands you communion, typically he says, what? The body of Christ. Receive the body of Christ. <laughs> but he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And I went, Wow. The Lamb. I don't know. It, there was something about the way he said that that just really uh, it impacted all of us. I think we all felt it. And there was just like this sense of peace that kind of rested over the room after we received communion. And we just wanted to just sit and rest in that peace for a while. We weren't in any hurry to go. And then Sister Carrie said, you know, Colleen, I feel the presence of your mother right now. I feel her presence so strongly. And she said, you know, I still have your mother's funeral mass card. I keep it in my habit. She reaches in her habit pocket and pulls out my mother's funeral mass card. And I said, Sister Carrie, he said, you know what? I'm wearing my mom's bracelet. My sisters, I have three sisters, and they decided after my mom passed away that I should receive mom's bracelet because it has 10 stones in it for her children, her 10 children. And they said, well, Colleen, you're the most likely to have 10 children of all of us. I mean, you're practically there anyway with eight kids. And um, I just kind of looked at the bracelet and I said, yeah, mom is with us. And then I, it, it occurred to me. I went, oh my gosh, you know what? I did just have 10 children. And we all just went, oh my gosh. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. So... Then, 
Sister Carrie gets up over, goes over to the vending machine. She said, "You really need to, you need to drink something. You, you haven't had anything all this time. Your, your blood sugar must be low. I'm going to get you a soda." She walks over to the vending machine, and you know when Coca-Cola was doing the promotion where they would have your first name on on the bottles, they would have names. Oh, oh, oh. individual names on the bottles. So. She pushes the button, randomly the Coke bottle comes down, she hands it to me, and on the bottle is the name Jessica. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I said, Lord, can this get any more detailed? You are speaking to me in every way. So then we started talking about kind of the nuts and bolts of this day, like she had made the offer that we could bury baby James up at the mother house, but she needed permission from Mother Superior. So she went off to make that call. But then we also started to think about the fact that I can't possibly ride home in the bus with the pilgrims after all of this. How am I going to get home? Well, Sister Carrie's parents were there with us. Um, they had driven up separately. They, they attend our church. So they were with our group, but they had ridden in their own car. And their names are John and Sue. And they immediately said, Colleen, we'll take you home. We'll, we'll drive you up to the mother house. We'll take care of you. We'll get you home. Don't worry about a thing. So after Sister Carrie came back, she said, we have permission from Mother. We can bury the baby. Let's go. We're going to go up there now. I just kept thinking, wow, Lord, is there any more? Could there be no. any more? <laughs> right? We get up to the Mother house, and uh, Sister Carrie said, why don't you and Dan go in to the chapel? They have this gorgeous chapel. It's called the Divine Mercy Chapel. Divine Mercy. And um, they have this carving in the back that's extraordinary of the blood and water flowing from the side of Jesus down, you know, onto the altars. Gorgeous. So we went in, and um, I just placed my baby there on on the, um, I guess they call it, do they call it the altar? It's not the table, but the, the altar part where you would typically stand. And Dan and I just spent a few moments just kind of praising God and thanking him for everything that he had done throughout the whole weekend, how he had taken care of us and provided for us in this extraordinary way. Well, Sister Carrie had gone back to ask one of the other sisters who had no idea what was going on. She wasn't present at that day if she could find a box that would be suitable to put the baby in so that we could bury him. So we all walked over, Dan and I, John and Sue, Sister Carrie, we walked over and this little nun, her name was Sister Philomena, she came out with this perfect little brown box. And Sister Carrie just went, wow, that could not be more appropriate. She said, that box is used to hold the hosts before they're consecrated. And when we flipped the lid down on the box, it had number 10 printed on the top of the box. I have a photo of it. I have a photo of all of these events that I've shared with you. 
we could not believe it. It was like an audible gasp in the room. Like, whoa, God, what is happening right now? So Mother Superior, what she had agreed to was that we could bury baby James in the Mary Garden. The Mary Garden. So we walked, and we walked down the hill, through the field, down to the Mary Garden. And there was a little nun down there named Sister Monica who takes care of it, of the flowers, and she pulls the weeds. And we shared the little bit of the story with her. And she said, can I stay? Like, I just want to stay here and, and pray with you. I just feel so honored to be here. And I kept thinking, I'm honored to be here, you know. Um, we said some prayers. We sang some songs. It was just beautiful. We buried baby James. And then Sister Carrie said, you know, Colleen, today is also my anniversary of my vows. And my father was instrumental in helping her find her vocation with the Franciscan TOR sisters. And she said, um, I just feel like your father is here too. And I said, I do too. And I said, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and just name him James Raymond after my father. Then my husband says, Colleen, today's also the anniversary of my brother Stephen's death. Stephen died as a teenager. It was a very uh, shocking, surprise death. Um, But that was his anniversary too. And I thought, yeah, there's something really special about this day. So we named him James Raymond Stephen. And um, as we were leaving... There were other things that happened, too, that I just, I I can't really go into full detail about everything, but just suffice to say that God continued to provide and provide. Because my big fear at that point, after it was all over, was the long drive home. We had to drive eight hours home in John and Sue's car, and I was still bleeding heavily, And I, I felt so bad about us. I said, oh my gosh, I don't want to have them to have to pull over, over and over again. And I don't want to be a problem for them. Um, so there's this one sister. And her, her name is Sister Mary Rose. And Sister Mary Rose was the only nun that I hadn't seen while I was there. And I wanted to see her because she and Sister Carrie were present when, when my father was dying. They came to be by his bedside, and I got very close to Sister Mary Rose during that time, and I felt sad that here I was at the mother house, and I didn't get to see Sister Mary Rose just to give her a hug, just something. And just before we pulled out, a car pulls up into the parking lot, and it's Sister Mary Rose. And she got out, And Sister Carrie told her very quickly what was happening. Sister Mary Rose ran over to my side and said, Colleen, I've heard what just happened. She said, would you like me to pray with you? I said, yes. I said, you know what my prayer right now is? Is that God would help me to get home without any more issues. So I'm, you know, that he would just stop the bleeding and, and, and allow me to get home with no more pain. I don't want to be a burden to John and Sue. 
So that's what she prayed over me. She prayed over my womb and said, Lord, I just ask that you would close up her womb and allow this to be a peaceful drive home. And you know, it was. We only had to stop one time after we crossed the border into Virginia, one time. And it was a peaceful ride home. It was actually beautiful. I slept for a bit. We talked. Um, and then I had a vision as we were driving home. And I saw myself standing on the stage at Franciscan University at the conference sharing this story. And I shared that with John and Sue and Dan in the car. And I said, I just had a vision. That's what the Lord showed me. That this story was not just meant for me or for us, but for others to be healed too. This is much bigger than just us. And they were like, Colleen, you know, I can see that happening someday. That's going to happen. Um, about a week after, I received a card in the mail from the sisters. And they were all just little prayers, just little words of encouragement. But the one thing that struck me was Mother Superior. She wrote a note inside that said, Colleen, weeks before you came, we had filed for a permit to have a cemetery at the mother house for the sisters. We had nowhere to bury the sisters. We filed for the permit, and she said the prayer in my heart was that we would have an unborn child to bury in that cemetery. And she said, your baby boy is the answer to my prayers. And all of those sisters have spiritually adopted my baby as their baby. And they've shared with me since. You know, I went back a year later to put down a proper plaque with his name on it on the spot. And several of them came up to share with me the impact that that's had on them. The comfort that it brings them to go down to the Mary Garden and be able to pray knowing that there's a precious little child in there that, you know, it's kind of like their baby. I didn't deserve any of that. Not after what I had done. I deserved nothing. But God lavished his love on me in this extraordinary way to show me, to show everyone that you are worthy of his love. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter. He can forgive it. He can heal it. He can give you new life. That's his promise. So praise be to God. And thank you to Blessed Mother Mary for stepping up. I recognized her role in the whole thing. She was there every step of the way. When I got down on my knees and asked her to be a mother to me, she was a mother to me. She mothered me. She made sure that I was never alone. Mm -hmm. I had women with me all the time ministering to me. God is so good. And so that's my story. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I fell in love with the Blessed Mother. 
and praise be to God, Father Michael Gately, that talk he gave that first Friday night of the conference, I knew when we got home, we all, the whole prayer ministry needed to consecrate ourselves to the Blessed Mother. We were all on board. Everyone agreed. So we had the whole crew (laughs) do the 33 days to morning glory, consecrate ourselves to the Blessed Mother on the feast day of our church, which is the Holy Name of Mary. That's the name of our church in Virginia, Holy Name of Mary in Bedford. Oh, wow. We consecrated ourselves on September 12th, the Holy Name of Mary. It was just extraordinary. Oh, yeah. Praise be to God. Oh, there's there's no limit, is there, to, to what God can do if you just no. open your heart. And we are so blessed to have that in, powerful intercession of Mary. I Amen. mean, it's just, there's, there's no, I mean, and especially, you know, you talked about John Paul II, right? Yeah. Look, look at his motto, totus to us. Yes. Look what happened with his you know, assassination, everything, you know, the, the blessed mother protected him and he was consecrated to her as well. And look what, you know, changed the world. Amen. So Amen. there's just no limit. And, uh, wow. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just <laughs> overwhelmed by your story really. And, and it's beautiful that you've Jesus. been led to share it, you know, because I can see how it it's going to touch a lot of people who just don't realize they have a mother and they just don't know it. <laughs> you know, we all have a heavenly mother and a heavenly father and a brother, yes. Jesus, you know, and we just got to tap into that. And the world, the world needs, needs her so much. Yes. Run to Mary. <laughs> Run to Mary. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Colleen. Thank you for listening to this audio presentation of A Mother's Love by Colleen Christ. For more information about this or any Patchwork Heart Ministry program, podcast, or radio show, please visit patchworkheart.org or email info at patchworkheart.org.